my loves, this is Louis from Tender Rebellions and you are listening to Rebels Who Draw, a weekly podcast about the intersections of art and activism. Today I am talking to Luciel, um, who's on Instagram as Dick Crimes and also the founder of Creative Collective 123, a platform from queer artists for queer artists. And I guess we will just start right there. What is the collective about? Why did you start it? How are you organized? Um, so the creative collective started because I was desperate to support queer artists and I didn't have the monetary funds to do it. So I can't give them money, but I can create a platform that gives them exposure and hopefully someone with more money than me will stumble upon creative collective and buy some art. So that's basically the thought behind it. But it's also really about forming a worldwide queer support network for LGBTQ plus artists. Um, and it's really working well in the sense that a lot of artists from like all over the world are coming together and working on different projects together that they wouldn't have found otherwise. And the way it's organized is that um, people sometimes think that Creative Collective is a group of people, but it's actually just me and my computer. Oh, uh, yeah. oh wow. I thought as well it was a group of people. <laughs> no, it's, it's just me. And uh, for now, that's still doable, but I can definitely see definitely see myself working with other people in the future when it comes bigger because I have bigger visions for the collective and I want to make it take it to bigger bigger places better places uh, and people <laughs> for that yeah what are these visions what's what's like the goal um if you could say oh three years from now I would love to see the collective having achieved these two things um in three years from now, I would have liked to host a, a physical exhibition, um, probably in London or Paris. Uh, I was actually supposed to do do my first exhibition in London this year um, for Creative Collective, but now that's not going to happen, sadly. Yeah, no, then yeah. instead a pandemic happened. Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> I, I guess someone might enjoy that. I, I enjoy art more, but yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I was supposed to like create a first physical exhibition from artists that have been on creative collective and since so many of them have are from england live in around london or like just in england in general it made a lot of sense to host it in london especially since i know a lot of artists who work there and then we could have organized a space um so that's like one thing i want to do definitely i would like to host one at least one every year Another thing I want to st start is a creative collective podcast where I have an interview with each of the artists that I feature every week because I think it gives them a different platform to talk on and it also gives them more space to like show their personality and like go more into detail about some questions people might have about the text they wrote for the week and stuff. So that's the second thing I really want to do in the next few years. And the last thing I would really, oh my goodness, I want to do it so badly. I want to host a queer art summer camp because I would love to just have all these artists like come together in a physical space and be able to have workshops and create art together and just like exist in a wholesome queer space together. Oh my gosh, yes, that sounds amazing. I feel like um, what what you said earlier, like bringing queer artists together, just the two of us now talking already is like, oh my gosh, yes, let's do this. All these Definitely. ideas are so great. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, yeah. But also you mentioned um you don't have the money, but others might have artists that been featured through the collective um 
like do you know something about art directors getting in touch with them or art directors already noticing the collective and being like oh yeah that's that's something I should watch out for uh, I would say that for now, most of the followers of the collective are art enthusiasts or artists themselves. So it's not really, uh, I don't think it has led into like huge job opportunities, but I know uh, from different artists that other people have bought art from them. Oh, that's cool. Uh, like, for example, my tattoo artist from Cologne recently bought a piece of someone from Australia because they know them from Creative Collective. And I think that's just... That's like this connection was made over across half the world through a creative collective is um, really cool. And like some other people have said that they have received commissions from people through a creative collective. And it's just really neat to to see that these people are interacting in between themselves. And like it's actually working how intended it in the way that these people are making more money because they were featured. That sounds really amazing. I feel like you built something beautiful there and I love your approach of having a platform that is specifically from queers and for queers only that creates visibility at the same time because I <laughs> feel very strongly that we need these community spaces but we also need representation and I've heard a lot of people also a lot of liberal left-wing self-proclaimed allies Mm-hmm. complain about being left out or excluded from such spaces um what would your response to these people be i would tell them that that their reaction shows that these spaces are needed <laughs> yeah because kind of. if you cannot understand yeah if you cannot understand that as a marginalized group needs a space just in between themselves then maybe you not you don't really understand the oppression that this marginalized group suffers from and it's really i think they should try to like think about it less as a exclusion of themselves like i i cannot be a part of this so instead being like oh it's beautiful that this group gets a chance to exist in a safe place and then we can communicate in other spaces but this space is only for them and i think that's really important for artists uh, i mean for people like us to to be able to be together because there is no complete safe space but it definitely is different for me to interact with only other queer people in a space that yeah. is, and i think other queer people will be will say the same yeah, as well. I, I definitely feel the same but i'm also always struggling with balancing the two things like on the one hand having the need for a safer space Mm -hmm. and on the other hand wanting to educate others and wanting to to tell them oh that's that's how we interact that's our community that's what you need to know about us and I feel Mm -hmm. like oh where 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 do you draw the lines like how do you keep the balance I'm always struggling well I think Creative Collective manages that sort of quite well because obviously anyone can follow the platform. It's a, an open Instagram account, so you can anyone yeah. can follow. And there are a lot of like cishet people who follow the platform, and a lot of them actually learn from the platform. And that was also an intent of mine because I do a lot of story highlights where we will talk about different subjects where I give a platform for queer people to say things and then they can send these stories to their friends and be like oh look at this this explains how this and this makes me feel or how I suffer from this type of behavior I recently did a plat- uh, a story highlight about misgendering where I had a lot oh, of yeah. trans people yeah a lot of trans people explained how it made them feel and then these trans people instead of like having to explain themselves to this cis friends how misgendering makes them feel they can just send them the platform 
and these cis people can also react to these stories and be like, oh, now I understand it better. Like I've had that experience a lot that a lot of cis people react to these stories and, and will and, like will say that now they understand things that they didn't really see before. I think it's a good balance that it's still made by queer people and um, it takes the responsibility of queer people away from them because they don't have to directly interact with these people. They just have to give the information and then I can relay it through Creative Collective. Yeah, I love it. I feel like I'm doing kind of a similar thing with my books, mm -hmm. like giving out information and trying to uplift other queer voices without mm -hmm. them having to speak to everybody directly. Yes. But at the same time, um, a book is not really, like it's it's a one-way street. I'm giving out information and I have no idea how people at home read it, what they think, how they feel. So putting it on Instagram, I feel like it's a really good step. I, mm -hmm. I just love your approach with the collective. <laughs> oh, I, I, I'm, I, mean, I love your art and I love the work you, work you do as well. So. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> this episode featuring the yeah. compliment battle. <laughs> Who likes the other person more? <laughs> um, yeah, but regarding the queer community, mm -hmm. something I'm constantly wondering about or what I'm currently asking myself is lo a lot is where does queerness uh -huh. start? Because what I currently see is a bit of a trend of heteroflexibility. And for those who don't know uh, what that means, heteroflexibility um, means that someone identifies mostly as heterosexual, but is open to experiment or explore sexual orientations beyond that. And with the concept itself, I personally don't have any problem whatsoever. In my ideal world, everybody would be free to experiment however much they want at the same time for me it creates a problem of gatekeeping because I sometimes find myself afraid that heteroflexible people start taking over queer spaces and I don't I don't know how to how to avoid that like I wouldn't want a platform like the the collective you build being taken over by heteroflexible people because in my mind they are not really queer but maybe they are and maybe they are on their way to finding out that they are super queer and I'm I'm always like, oh, how how do we handle this? Do you know what I mean? Do we have the same? I same definitely problem? understand what you mean. I think it's a really tough topic. Yeah. The the word heteroflexible immediately made me smile <laughs> because <laughs> um, I don't understand why there's such a hard time for people describing themselves as bisexual. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, then again, I understand if you don't want to put on your label on yourself, just don't even put a label on yourself you don't need to call yourself heteroflexible you can just say that I mean you, you don't need a label but also I think it's if you look at the community around you and you're only surrounded by cisgender heterosexual people and you identify as heteroflexible maybe your queerness is more the want than a um <laughs> And a fact, but I also I really understand the problem of gatekeeping because I don't want to be the, the one who tells people they're not queer enough, they're not gay enough, they're not trans yeah. enough. I don't want to be that person. I also have no idea what's really going on in your life. So who am I to tell you what you are and what you aren't? And I also think it's okay to think that maybe you might be bisexual for a few years and then find out that actually you might just be heterosexual. That's also super okay. Just as some people think they're bisexual and maybe they're just a lesbian or maybe they're just gay it's just it's all really fine but maybe I would ask these people to 
be careful in the the way they want to claim queerness and be fully aware of what that means to other people. And even the word queer itself, I actually forgot about this, but at the beginning of the episode, I wanted to say the disclaimer that I do use the word queer because I'm not an English native speaker. So for me, a queer has never had that slur yeah, meaning exactly as as for you I'm guessing yeah and I just want to say that I use it in a reclaim reclamatory sense because I believe in reclaiming slurs but also I am aware of the history of the word queer and I I mean I, I can't really say if I were a cisgender heterosexual person because that's so far away from my reality that I can't even imagine it but I wouldn't be comfortable with claiming words that have such big meanings to so many people and that are connected with so much hurt and suffering I wouldn't be comfortable putting those big words on me <laughs> I, I don't know how these people just claim the word queer I don't know it's just it's, yeah, it's it, like straight people who are poly and say they're gay because they're poly but they're just dating several of the straight people I, I yeah <laughs> Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, a heterosexual open relationship doesn't make you queer. <laughs> and I, no. I, I completely agree with <laughs> you with, with the gatekeeping thing. I don't want to be that person either. But at the same time, I don't want to be the person at a queer party who gets groped and harassed by some heteroflexible straight dude who just feels mm. suddenly comfortable coming to queer parties. Mm-hmm. And there's there's a concept called optical allyship. I've recently read something about, and basically it's people only being allies or only associating with certain identities when it benefits them. Mm-hmm. So for example, only being queer enough when it comes to pride or when it comes mm-hmm. to a queer party or when it, comes, when it comes to a drag show because that's fun and exciting and the rest of the time, not even being able to sign a petition. So I don't know. I know these people exist that that only want to to enjoy the fun part. Mm-hmm. And some part, some some parts of me are like, yeah, just let them, let them have fun. That's important. But other parts of me are a bit jealous. Yeah, because they they get to to choose when and when they don't want to yeah. be a part of the struggle sort of because it is a struggle and yeah, I don't definitely. and I and many of us do not have that same privilege and that's when privilege comes into play again be aware of your privilege and think about how your privilege makes you act or not act um, which can even be worse sometimes <laughs> and yeah but I understand that it's really hard and I've had the I've been quite fortunate that I haven't had to, I haven't had any straight people come forward to Creative Collective and be like, oh, I want to be featured on your platform. Oh, that would, that would have been my next question. Like, how how do you respond to that? And like, what what makes art queer? Yeah. Is it the artist being queer or can straight people make queer art by including a lot of queer representation? Um. So I do believe that all art created by queer creators is queer uh, even though it doesn't necessarily have to do like thematically be linked to queerness like if you paint a picture of an apple but you're queer to me this is still a queer painting (laughs) (laughs) because I don't think something as personal as art can be completely subjective and thus everything made by a queer person is somehow shaped by the experiences and like yeah that's just how it is for me um if you are queer, the way you look at the world 
to me is queer and thus everything you make will be queer some some queer people in my life i'd look at their existence and i'm like just just you existing is such a queer thing <laughs> like your existence almost <laughs> is queer performance ours do you know what i mean <laughs> yeah definitely um like queer existing queer visibility in itself mm -hmm. is so radical and so mm -hmm. it's a statement such a political act yes as i tend to say me existing as a gay trans person in this world is a radical act of revolution because i am alive and i'm happy and that's not what i meant to do <laughs> i love it yes <laughs> um but can straight people or heteroflexible uh -huh. people make the same statement in their art i mean i definitely i'm not going to stop you from making statements i just don't think it's going to be as powerful <laughs> if it comes from someone who doesn't suffer from this from the oppression that you're speaking about i also don't want people to make tragedy porn out of queer existences that are being oppressed yes so it's just i mean obviously you can make the art you want i'm not going to stop you but am i going to look at the art and be like heck yeah maybe not And that's something you're gonna have to live with as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. Like, never, never stop anybody from making art. No. Making art is such a beautiful way of of expressing thoughts and feelings. Yeah. Um. But yeah, maybe dear straight people don't claim queer art spaces. <laughs> Especially since, like, the entire world of art is your world, and you can claim all of that if you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. True. The queer, queer art spaces, you can right now easily or more easily than, I don't know, a couple of decades ago, find them through platforms like Instagram. Uh -huh. But if you go through the queer artist hashtag on Instagram, there's a certain style popping up again and okay. again and again. And like I've, I sometimes feel a lot of pressure to fit into that style, not uh -huh. only regarding illustration, but also, for example, the way queer people dress or uh -huh. do fashion or do makeup. Okay. And somehow i feel there's a pressure to be either very androgynous or very femme in any way very colorful and loud and proud and over the top is that only my perspective do, do you do you share this do you also feel this pressure i'm not sure if i can answer this i'm not sure how big the pressure on queers is to look queer i mean i can obviously be mistaken and i just know my own perspective and i know that some people struggle with not looking obviously queer enough to other queers because yeah. they want to be recognized as queer by other people without necessarily having to wear a rainbow shirt for example <laughs> and I just know that I personally put thought and effort into looking visibly queer um, even though I know that might make me a target on the outside world but I just it's something that is very deeply important to me and when I look in the mirror and I don't see myself as queer um, it upsets me <laughs> but yeah. I think there's also just like how we envision artists in general and how we envision queer people, both really loud and colorful things. And when you mix the two together, queer artists, then you, then you expect something that like really spectacular. And if you just a cozy bean who likes to wear jeans and a t-shirt, then maybe you don't fit into that mold. But um, I don't, I cannot relate to the pressure of it because I am one of those uh, obnoxiously colorful okay. people. <laughs> yeah, I, I am one of those people who enjoys, enjoys wearing a jeans and a t-shirt. So uh -huh. I feel a lot of pressure. <laughs> okay. Um, 
that's interesting. Yeah, and I'm sometimes like, oh, should I should I do things differently? Is it okay for me to just wear jeans and a t-shirt? Obviously, it is. Like obviously, yeah. it is okay, but <laughs> then again, there is there is a lot of pressure of um, if I had an exhibition, let's say, and uh -huh. people wouldn't recognize me and oh, that must be the artist because mm -hmm. I don't look the type. Like I mm -hmm. don't look like oh, that's the queer artist we're talking about who is very over the top and out there. And I'm sometimes struggling with finding my own voice as a queer artist, but also as an artist, like talking about things that are not queer. I feel like I want to, but sometimes that I'm not allowed to, or like people expect me to always talk about feminism and always talk about queer issues. So mm -hmm. I feel sort of boxed in and I sometimes don't know how to get out there. <laughs> Yeah, I understand that the the pressure to only keep continue making the same kind of content um, that also speaks only from this little part of yourself because I mean you are queer yeah. but you're also a lot of other things I'm guessing. <laughs> um, yes, I am. <laughs> yes, you are, and I think that just with any other category, labels can help you define yourself, but you shouldn't let them restrict you. And I think that's hard because. Obviously, my art is about queerness, but not just. It's also about, I don't know, plants, for example. I really love plants, but <laughs> that, does that fit into what you expect from me? And does that interest you? And am I afraid of losing the people that were interested in the other part of my art if I only if I start speaking up the, of the other parts that I want to speak about? Um, like, am, are you not going to think I'm doing my job of being the trans person you want to hear speak about trans things only and I'm very glad that I didn't um, with my online presence only put myself in the for example trans box because I I mean personally I don't consume content by trans people that is only about their transness because I'm kind of bored by it already because I know about it generally it tends to be for younger trans people if I mean for people yeah. who are more at the start of their transition or cis people who want to learn and that's not content that's really interesting for, to me anymore because I'm just not in that state of my life anymore. So you sort of, if you want to call it personal branding, set up your personal branding right from mm -hmm. the start to not be one box. But do you have ideas about other strategies um, that artists out there who are right now in the box of you are a queer artist and nothing else could use to get out of there? Did you hear something through the collective, for example? That is um, such a good question. That is a really excellent question. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, most of the artists I've featured, I would say that their queerness isn't what part of their branding as an artist. So maybe take a look at those artists and what they're doing, because they don't hide their queerness at all. They just don't speak of it in the art constantly. And I think it's quite interesting that they're so visibly queer And their art also is queer, but it's not, that's not the only thing you think about when you look at their work, for example. Yeah, I definitely know what you mean. There's an episode coming up with Sophie McTeer and what, like, they are very visibly <laughs> queer and the art is very visibly queer, but the art is also very visibly influenced by punk <laughs> and DIY culture. And I find, I found that so interesting, like, To, to accept all parts of oneself and put them into the art and into finding your voice as an artist. Mm -hmm. That's just super inspiring. Yeah. I definitely know what you mean by saying that talking only about queerness is something 
you maybe do when you start out or you you have a lot of questions mm. yourself and then later you can sort of also explore other parts of your identity yeah. but for me like having this this branding as i'm doing education i'm doing feminist education through art yes but that's sort of how i set myself up and i love it I, i i don't want to complain i love educating people i love having this platform and speaking about feminist stuff but yeah there's also this this pressure to it and i feel like a lot of cisgender non-queer artists can't relate to that yeah because they get to to be just tom when you get to be louis who's also queer you know it's just like yeah yeah i mean so so i'm glad i don't have to do that constant educational job even though i kind of have to still but like it's not the only thing that people come to me for but i'm very thankful to those elder queers who yeah. do that the entire day like who have been doing it for 10 15 20 years because if they do it that means i don't have to do it <laughs> so i'm even more thankful to them because i can only imagine how boring it gets after a <laughs> while because it's always the same questions yeah, too it's just definitely. that it's a new armada of people you have to educate and i'm really thankful for them that they're doing this job that is quite tiresome i imagine yeah but i mean uh, the queer the range of queer issues is still rather broad mm -hmm. like there are a lot of things you can talk about mm -hmm. which is kind of cool i mentioned at the beginning that you have two profiles one is the collective and the other is your mm -hmm. more private one um can you tell us about that like what's what are you doing there do you have a box you would put your private profile um, in is it queer art so actually i have three profiles oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> um so i have my personal one dick crimes that is just started out as my normal instagram because i mean i'm a young person who likes the internet so i am <laughs> on instagram and i don't really like i don't really intend to do anything with it other than share my personal life but my personal life kind of turned into advocacy at the same time because i figured out my queerness and now i'm really outspoken and angry about a lot of things so i just tell instagram about these things and then these people react to this and now i'm getting more and more followers which is insane to me because in my opinion i'm quite boring sort of i mean i'm fun but like still i'm not i'm not super interesting i'm not doing super amazing advocacy work that some other people are doing out there so i don't understand why they're following me my personal um instagram is just basically for my personal pictures my my friends my face my bum sometimes and uh creative collective is the work that I do for the community. It's, it's, yeah. It was really important for me to not make Craig Collective about me. And I've never featured myself on it either. And I'm not sure I'm ever going to do that because it feels a little forbidden to me <laughs> to, to have created this big platform and then to showcase my own art. It kind of makes me feel, I don't know, a little bit icky. But I do also have a third Instagram account that is quite recent. That is for my own art because I... Um, I used to post a bit of it on my personal profile, but then I just made a whole new profile for it. And that's where I post my art now. Um, some of it, I'm not that good with posting a lot. And I also mostly write. So it's not really interesting to have that on Instagram, I think. It's not the platform for it, I think. So that's how I work my Instagram life. <laughs> that's a lot of Instagram profiles to, to juggle at once. Oh, I have a fourth <laughs> one for work as well. So it's just like, it's the whole thing. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> I used to have five. Um, on your private one, where you post uh, selfies and the occasional bum picture, um, <laughs> you just said that's just uh, that's just you 
taking photos, but um, at the same time, we discussed earlier that you being visibly queer and you living a happy life as a queer person is also a radical and political act. So mm-hmm. having selfies of you, and one could argue that selfies are an art form, I would say your private profile is also a political statement and art in its own way. I certainly agree with the political aspect of it because I I do talk about politics on my personal profile a lot. Um, And even when it's just through posting a meme about sexism, for example, I still think that shows my political orientation. That still shows what I'm critical of. That That still shows what I don't agree with. And I also talk about my personal experiences with transphobia a lot. I mean, yeah, it's just me existing as a, as a queer person is um, political, yeah. Yeah. Yes, so I, I do think in that sense it is political, but it's not as polished as other people might do it because I feel like a lot of these Instagram advocacy queers who I really admire for their work but I couldn't do it, I feel like that's all they do and I feel like for me that would be too much being angry in one day you know I can only do it in small doses you know yeah my first idea was it it would be too much work to write these texts and do the photos and Mm -hmm. the pictures but yeah definitely that would be too much anger for one day Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of um, cisgender straight people don't appreciate sometimes how much emotional work goes into being visibly queer and talking Mm -hmm. online about queerness do you have um, experiences with online harassment for it and if so are you willing like if only if you're comfortable to talk about it like what are the strategies how did you respond well i've actually never been bullied online except one time actually yeah actually a few months ago completely unrelated to like even politics i just tweeted what do men even know how to do except lie and uh (laughs) and that was actually That was on my personal Twitter. It's like not even, I don't even have that many followers. And it was just because this guy from eBay cancelled on me and didn't tell me. And that's why I was angry. (laughs) So it was not even directed as patriarchy. It was just me and this dude. And French women hating Twitter found that one and didn't like it. And that's the first time in my life I got so many replies on one tweet. That was pretty, pretty wild. But other than that, I've been pretty fortunate I'm quite all right (laughs) I I don't really I don't suffer from it and I think it's also because my profiles are just not big enough for me to get that kind of uh vicious attention to be honest like I just don't have enough followers for me to to get haters you know just the idea of me having a hater is like (laughs) funny so funny (laughs) I don't think it's it's uh connected to the number of followers oh really sometimes I feel like especially on Instagram that some bored angry men just go through the feminism hashtag and uh-huh. comment on whatever uh-huh. that seems to be the the type of people that sometimes commented under my posts um, mm, and I'm, I'm always like what what are you even doing here how did you find this <laughs> because they they definitely don't follow me and yeah. it's not like one one giant shitstorm after a post but rather here and there some hateful comments and some weird messages. But yeah, I feel like if you put in a lot of time into growing your own community and the collective 
I would definitely understand as a community the way you describe it. It sort of brings a lot of like it's a it's a loving and joyful place. So maybe haters aren't that attracted to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's, yeah. that's just <laughs> an idea I'm putting out there. Yeah, I mean, Creative Collective has never had any issues. Like never. It's just never been a thing. I think partly it's because it's there's not a person behind it you can attack because I don't share my face on it and I don't say, Hey, I'm Blue Ciel and I do this platform. It's just this platform exists, so it's kind of unpersonal. It's like attacking the H and M Instagram platform. Like you don't know the person behind it. So it's like, how do you attack it? And also I think the people who share the platform are all followed by people who either don't really care about queerness or like love it so they're not gonna be mad about it and i don't ever ever use hashtags so i think that might also play into it yeah i don't use hashtags on any one of my profiles because i'm very intimidated by the instagram algorithm and there are certain hashtags that are overloaded with posts so Instagram shadow bans them and I'm really terrified of getting shadow banned with Creative Collective because that would mean that I have to start over again because if the profile doesn't reach people then that entire purpose of the profile is ruined basically. So I'm really careful yeah. with hashtags. Yeah, the thing about shadow banning is that nobody really knows how it works, isn't mm-hmm. it? I've heard someone speaking out about certain hashtags are shadow banned in itself not only because they're overloaded but because they're political and about sex work for example but i never understand how it works i see how hashtags or how me taking a break from posting affects how many people i reach but i never i just gave up on trying to understand the logic behind it i know that posting what instagram considers non-safe for work does also put you in danger of being shadow banned because that's basically the reason why a lot of sex workers are shadow banned and just people posting nudity in general or what Instagram considers to be nudity. So I'm sometimes kind of nervous about the art that is posted on Creative Collective because it has happened once that a person has reported a photograph on Creative Collective for showing nudity, which to this day, I do not understand why you would go on a on a queer platform and like just insane to me. But yeah, so I am quite nervous about posting because I do want to promote artists that do non-safer work art, but I'm also aware that it puts in danger the entire platform. That that is also something that makes me kind of nervous. I got that. I feel like talking about these things is so important because all the struggles we just discussed are things that straight cisgender artists don't really have to worry about as much as we do mm-hmm. sometimes it's so unfair but yeah i guess there are some some straight cisgender people or artists listening who are maybe interested in in learning about queerness or supporting queer artists so if you could ask a non-queer illustrator to change one thing about their art what would it be that was a tough question for me i think i would say think about what you represent with your work Think about who you represent with your work and think about who it reflects and who it speaks about and do you want to touch other groups of people with your art and if the answer is yes, then make your work more inclusive. Um, For example, I know a lot of cis feminists who make what I call vulva art, where a lot of them tend to equate vulvas and uterus with women and that's not really cool because genitalia doesn't equal gender. So, for example, being mindful of things like these and just making it more inclusive in general. And for example, using gender inclusive language can be helpful. I, I just want to be, I just want people to know that 
just trans people exist. <laughs> Breaking news, trans people exist. <laughs> crazy, I know. Hold on to your seats because you're about to learn that gay people also exist. And uh, <laughs> so I just think, just be mindful that what your experience of the world is, is definitely not the experience of other people, not of all other people. And just be mindful of your privileges and like try to educate yourself. I feel like that's a really good wish to put out there. Mm -hmm. Whilst you were talking, I was uh, thinking about the wish I I would put out there. And I think it's it's going into a similar direction of please educate yourself. Don't only look to queer artists to do the work of representation. Do some research, do the work, mm -hmm. um, learn something. And also don't be so afraid of making mistakes because mistakes happen and i feel like a lot of a lot of non queer artists or people in general are afraid of starting to talk about queer issues because they are afraid of making mistakes and then being hated and shamed for it which i get i'm also afraid but also don't let that stop you yes definitely that's a good lovely wish as well cool um, by now, the people listening might already know this. At the end of each episode, I'm asking the same question, namely, what would you like someone who's just starting out on their journey as creative activist to know about all this? So I think my words of advice would be, don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to interact with other creators. Um, practice solidarity with your peers and be kind. I'm a big fan of kindness. I think kindness is absolutely radical considering the world we live in. Yes. And make sure to keep working on your own perspective, to keep learning from others and listen to voices from groups that are outside of your own group. Be aware of your privileges and use them to lift up those around you, especially those from marginalized groups. That would be my wishes and words of advice for someone who's starting out. I love it. I'm just, I'm getting behind <laughs> everything you just said. That is absolutely beautiful. So yeah, if you don't have any final thoughts you want to put out there, I would end this episode here. Um, no, I think I'm I'm thought out. <laughs> Lucia, thank you so much for chatting. You are so me. welcome. Um, yeah, thank you for creating queer spaces online. It really, really means a lot to me. And to everyone listening, please follow and uplift queer voices. It's important. Um, you can find Lucia's work with at... Uh, creative collective one two three on instagram i leave the link in the show notes please make sure to check there because it's a german spelling i will also leave luciel's private or more private account of dick crimes and uh, the account with luciel's own art and you can follow rebel to draw on instagram and i'll make sure to link all the profiles there as well i'm already looking forward to the next episode you will hear from me next tuesday and i will talk to you then bye Thank you.